You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Genesis chapter 48 is where we're going to be. Genesis 48 and um, Israel at this point in history... Israel has finally moved into the land of Goshen, and Goshen is, uh, you could call it a suburb of of Egyptian life. It's in Egypt in the northeastern Nile Delta. There it borders Egypt and the Promised Land, uh, but it's technically in Egypt. And the reason they're there is because of this massive famine that caused uh, the children of Israel to have to leave God's Promised Land, the land of Canaan, and go to Goshen. But Goshen is exactly where God wants them at this time. It's a fertile place. It's a land where there's plenty of room for their animals. Uh, And if you'll remember, most of the Jewish, uh, most of the Israelites were shepherds. And the the nation of Egypt, they didn't like shepherds. They didn't really want any part of, of being around shepherds. And so it really worked out for God's people because they could go and be in a place where God took care of their herds. But they weren't right in the middle of Egypt being affected by Egypt. And so they come to Goshen and they have a place for themselves and their herds. And the Bible says that they were multiplying at the end of, toward the end of chapter 47. It says that the children of Israel grew and multiplied exceedingly. God was growing them, prospering them. They came in about 70 and in just a few hundred years, God turned them into maybe perhaps over 2 million I mean, this is a large number of people coming out of of Goshen here now. And Israel, though, or Jacob, if you'll remember, the nation of Israel was named after a man, Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel. By this time, by, by the time we get to Genesis 48, Jacob, or Israel, is 147 years old. He's lived a good long life. He's lived there in Goshen for a number of years, and he knows that his life is about to end. Last week we looked at how he calls Joseph to himself and he makes Joseph promise that he'll bury Jacob or Israel, that he'll bury him back in the promised land. If you'll remember, God had made promises to the nation of Israel. He said, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you people, I'm going to make you prosperous. And Canaan, the promised land, that's where your people will end up. Well, Jacob is living in Goshen. He's not in the promised land and he knows he's about to die so he calls Joseph and he says, promise me that you'll bury me back in our, in our land, our homeland, our country. And Joseph makes the promise to him. And I love that Jacob, his mindset is thinking, yes, I know God made promises to us. I may not see the promises, but I know that God is going to keep his word. And we'll talk about that just a little bit. But I'd like to then begin reading in chapter 48, verse 1. So if you wouldn't mind standing And we'll read chapter 48. It's another long passage this week. And some of you are still sore from last week, okay? Uh, Because we read a lot of verses. This one's shorter. And uh, and so I wish I could promise you a sucker or something if you make it all the way through. Um, But just know God will bless you if you stand and listen the whole time, okay? I know it's hard to focus, but try to catch the story. Because there are details we won't have time for in the preaching. So I want you to get them while we're reading Genesis 48, verse 1, and uh, we'll begin reading here. Verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, 
Manasseh and Ephraim. Those two sons are vital to the story. Remember, Manasseh is the oldest. Ephraim is the youngest. Joseph takes them to his father before he dies. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Jacob And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee and I will make thee a multitude of people and, I will, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So he reminds Joseph about the covenant, the promise that God had made to his family. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon. They shall be mine. He basically adopts Joseph's sons as if they're his own. And they, in thy issue, which that means thy sons, thy kindred, which thou begattest after them, shall be thine and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Paddan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same is Bethlehem. That's a familiar sounding name this time of year, isn't it? And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age. I guess he hadn't gone out and bought any readers at this point. Now the eyes of Israel were dim. He, he's not seeing very well, if at all, so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God, ha God hath showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And we'll talk about that, that, this event here as we go. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me, the idea is shepherded me all my life long unto this day. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let thy, my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, who's the youngest, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, but truly 
his younger brothers shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, And thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim, as Manasseh, and as Manasseh. And he said, Ephraim, before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you, and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. He believed God's promises. He's about to die, but he still believes God's promises. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. And the idea there, we won't cover these verses, but the idea there is basically Jacob makes Joseph the oldest. He, he essentially says, you have a double portion. And the way that it works in that inheritance is all your sons, you'd split, if you had five sons, you'd split it up six ways and give the oldest two of them. So he would have exactly twice as much as any other brother. And Joseph is son number 11, but Jacob makes him, basically by inheritance, he makes him son number one. And, uh, and so we won't cover it, but just so you understand what that means. And Jacob, as he puts his affairs in order, the big part of Jacob about to die. Now, he doesn't die in this passage. He actually dies later on. We're not sure exactly how much later. But he wants to take time to bless his family. And there's wisdom in that, isn't there? Isn't there wisdom in making sure that your affairs are in order before you pass off the scene? Well, that's what he does. He does it here. He does it in the next chapter as well, which we'll look at later. But for now, I'd like to consider this thought. When life goes crossways, when life goes crossways, because the truth is, very often in life, things get crossed up. And, and, and things happen that we don't expect and we don't like, and we don't even agree with, and we resist, and it doesn't go the way that we want. And listen, you can either, you can either resist the situation, or you can rest in your father. Are you resting or resisting in the crossed up situations of life when life grows crossways? That's what I want to talk about. Let's ask God to help us this morning. Father, we pray that you bless our time, bless the reading of your word, and help me, Lord, as I convey it. That you'd hide me, Lord, behind your cross and your grace and your spirit. And that it may be you that is presenting the truth to, to people instead of myself. God, use me to do it, but I pray that it be your Holy Spirit doing the work and the illumination. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. Isn't that true? I mean, I think we've all been there and, you know, you make a plan and if you're one of those people, you always have a plan. I mean, you plan out your days, you plan out your shopping list. We've got some people that fly by the seat of their pants, and we've got some that plan everything. And you maybe you're one of those people, you make a plan, uh, things are going well, and then one variable changes, and everything, so, everything falls apart. You been there? I mean, that one variable that nobody could have counted on, that nobody was predicting... I was talking to, uh, to Jonah uh, just this morning, Jonah Jacob, and that's always an experience in and of itself, just the conversation. And so uh, talk to him later, you'll figure that out. So Jonah was telling me, though, uh, that on his way, were you coming here? On his way uh, to the church, uh, for uh, maybe for a play practice or something like that yesterday, Jonah's headed uh, from Minnesota, they live over there. And, uh, and uh, somebody ran him off the road. 
And, and of course, it, it, it snowed this week. So he ends up in the ditch in the snow. The snow is basically up past the bottom of his doors. And if you've seen his car, it is not a four-wheel drive. It is a, a little car, and he could not get out of the snow. So he had to call a tow truck. That cost him money. And, uh, and you know, he was telling me about this thing that happened to him. And he's a young driver, 17. Are you 17? 18? 19? 18? Okay, 30. I can't tell. He's very mature. 18 years old. Sorry, don't mean to, to uh, insult you here. He's 18. And so he hasn't been in these experiences very much. This is one of the first times. So, but then I started talking to him. And he said over the last little bit, um, he's been cut off or basically bumped by somebody, not bumped, but somebody's gotten in his way or driven him off the road multiple times lately. I mean, it, clearly Jonah is being targeted. <laughs> it, it, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's the one driving in every one of these situations. <laughs> Somebody is out to get Jonah, you know, and... You know, but that reminded me, though, uh, of all the times that you have a plan. Jonah had a plan to come to the church, and one variable changed everything. It's kind of like, you know, the game Jenga. Have you ever played the game Jenga? And, you know, you think, oh, if I pull this block, I mean, this thing is solid. It's not going to fall. You pull one block, and the whole tower comes crumbling down. You, you, you've played that game. But life can be that way sometimes that you think this variable is not that big of a deal. But one variable changes everything. Maybe you have a to-do list for the day. And the first item takes four times longer than you thought. And then nothing else gets done the rest of the day. Uh, maybe you have a project at work and you think, oh, this will take me this much time. And you get into it and one thing goes wrong and it derails the entire plan. One interruption changes everything for the day. Moms, if you, you know this, all it takes is one child who, to get sick and nothing else works. It takes one child who for some reason um, is bipolar that morning and won't cooperate and, and they're doing what they want to do and, and you can't get anything done. Or maybe you're in a hurry. This is like me sometimes. You think, okay, I have exactly this much time to get to where I need to go. And I map out the route that I think is the fastest. And on that route happens to be that one car from Minnesota that won't go more than five under the speed limit. It's always a Minnesotan, by the way. If you're from Minnesota, I mean, case in point, Jonah lives in Minnesota. So... Didn't even think about that connection. So pretty soon, though, don't you find yourself frustrated when your plans don't go according to your plans? One unforeseen variable. It, but that pretty much sums up jo Jacob's life, doesn't it? I mean, and we're going to go through some of those. But think about his life. It seems like most of the plans that Jacob ever made got blown up. Seems like everything he had, hey, I'm going to get the birthright. It backfired. I'm going to get the blessing. It backfired. I'm going to marry Rachel. It backfired. I'm going to work for Laban. It backfired. I'm going to, I mean, all of these plans. He marries Rachel. Finally, she dies young. I mean, he is a man that has lived his life with life going crossways. And you might expect Jacob to get down to the end of his life here in chapter 48. And all he says is, woe is me. Have you seen how bad my life has been? I mean, I would expect that. I'd almost uh, give him room to say that, but that's not him at the end of his life. 
You get down to the end of his life and he's actually positive about life. It's almost as if Jacob has learned how to respond when life goes crossways. It's almost like he's come to the point in his life at some point he realized that even when life goes crossways, if God's involved in it, that's okay. And I just want to look at his mindset. This is a simple thought today. I want to look at his mindset of what to do when life goes crossways. And the first point that, I, that I'll make today, we actually made last week, but it's a point worth making again, is when life goes crossways, you need to embrace the promises of God. You've got to go back to what you know is true. And the last few verses of Genesis 47 are basically him telling Joseph, take my body back to Canaan and bury me there. And, and what we talked about it last week, so we won't spend lots of time, but Jacob knows his death is near. And, and you know what? We, uh, he could say this. What is going on? I mean, he could say, God gave me promises. He told me I would live in Canaan. He told me there was a promised land. He told me that all these things are going to happen, and I'm not going to get to see any of them. I'm going to die right here in Egypt. You know, that's, that's, he, he, could have been, he could have been a victim. He could have been upset, but that's not his mindset. You know why? Because Jacob clearly has not given up that, on God's promises. He, he has gone back to God's word time and time again. And he knows that even though his death it wasn't, uh, is coming, it's not going to prevent God's promises from being fulfilled. That's how firmly he believes in God's word. He refused to be buried in Egypt because he still embraced God's promises. So he makes Joseph promise to take him back. And listen, you say, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, when life goes crossways, the most important step that you can take is to open this book, God's word, and read what he has promised you. See, Matthew 24, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word sh shall not pass away. And what he was saying is that the circumstances of life are temporary, but God's word is not. See, we get to the place where maybe sometimes we think that circumstances are bigger than God's promises. And we get focused on all the bad things, all the negatives. But Jacob knew that God's word cannot be undone by our circumstances. And I think more of us need to embrace that. See, we so easily become distraught when life goes crossways. It's almost as if we think that God is incapable of handling our lives. I mean, think about it. If you get distraught when life goes crossways, that's essentially you saying, God, you're not able to handle this. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when our, when our kids were little and, and four of our children are in here. It's good to have two of them back from college today. We're glad, glad they made it. And, uh, and so one of, us, one of our, our, our sons in the back. But when all of our kids, I think every one of them, when they were younger, went through this phase where you would put food on their plate. And, and you had, you'd put it on their plate, but maybe it, wasn't, it, was, it was too big for them to eat as it was. So what do you do? You cut it up. But some of our kids, man, they go through this phase where if you cut their food, they freak out. And they start crying. I mean, it's like, it's still a Twinkie. You know, it's, it's just bite-sized. Now, that's convenient. See, what they don't understand is that the food in its original form is too big for them to handle. 
So we've got to cut it up so their little mouths, or not real little, if you know my kids, they're not real little mouths, but their little mouths can't handle it. So you cut it up bite size for them so they can eat it. And I wonder if, and as a parent, you're thinking, it's the same food. It doesn't change anything. But I wonder if God looks at us that way sometimes. You know, when life happens and circumstances come, and, you know, and he gives it to us in ways that we can handle. But we freak out and we cry and we can't handle it because it wasn't our expectation. And yet God is saying, yeah, no, but listen, it's too big for you the way it was, but it's not too big for me. And, and we've got to be mindful here that when God, when things happen, it should be God's word that we go to first. And we should be reminded that God keeps his promises and, and that he's not doing what, what he's doing or what is happening to us is not outside of his capability. And see, I believe that Jacob has learned this lesson, see, so much so that even death couldn't deter him from God's promises. Aren't you thankful that God's promises aren't undone just because death comes? I mean, as a matter of fact, if you're a child of God this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, even if you die, that does not at all uh, disqualify you from receiving God's promises in heaven. As a matter of fact, it, it makes it possible you, for you to finally see the promises he's made. Don't, I mean, death doesn't deter us from God's promises, but sometimes when life happens and things go crossways, the first thing we do is get on Facebook, and yet God has promises waiting for us. Open his book, open God's word, and read it and embrace his promises when things go crossways. Listen, you may have a good friend that can help you in a time of need, but nobody, nothing can help you like God's word can help you. Don't, don't lose sight of the fact that you have the best resource to help you through life when, you, when things go crossways. The second point I'd like to make here is this. Number two, re, when life goes crossways, recall how God has already worked in your life. Recall how God has already worked in your life. Sometimes we think, hey, uh, you know, this is happening and, and this is a big deal and I'm not sure what's gonna, how this is going to work out. But if you would stop and think about it, you might be reminded that God plenty of times before has brought you ex through that exact same situation. And if he did it before, he can do it again. I mean, Jacob, on his deathbed, Jacob is thinking about God's blessings. I mean, jo and I want you to get this. This is important. Joseph hears that he's not well. He brings his sons to receive a blessing. And look, though, at what Jacob's talking about. Look at verse 3, chapter 48. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty, El Shaddai, appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said and said unto me, Behold, I'll make thee fruitful and multiply thee. And I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. You know what Jacob's talking about? He's talking about God. He's not talking about the negatives, is he? He's not recounting all the ways that life has been hard. There were plenty of negatives for Jacob. Life has been hard for Jacob. I mean, his favorite wife, Rachel, she died young. I mean, he's living in Egypt. He's not even in Canaan. He's not even going to see God's promises. But here he is on his deathbed, and he's thinking about God's covenant. Listen, when life goes crossways, focus on God's goodness, not life's hardships. See, it's all about where you're looking and, and Jacob can either focus on what's gone wrong or he can focus on what God's done right. Listen, I, I was thinking about 
Um, it's amazing how two people can uh, see the same situation differently, isn't it? I read about a little boy who, who came home from school one day and he had his report card and he showed his report card to his dad. First mistake, right? <laughs> he brings his report card home to his dad and his dad looks at it and all of his grades were bad. And of course his dad sees the negative, right? All the minuses. But the boy says, Dad, but you should be proud of me because this is proof that I'm not cheating. Hey, that's one way to look at it, right? I mean, dad, man, dad's such a pessimist and the son is such an optimist here. No, I would say, I would have said that Jacob was lean, lean toward pessimism. Now, I would have said that's his character, that that's his personality. And some of us are positive, some of us are negative. But think about, here are some of Jacob's famous quotes. Are you ready? All things are against me. Remember that one? Ye shall bring down my gray hairs to, with sorrow to the grave. For some reason, Jacob is a Shakespearean actor. I'm not sure. <laughs> it sounded different in my head. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. It's a very dramatic actor. That's kind of dramatic, isn't it? See, and I did that on purpose because to me, that's been Jacob's character. He's a little bit dramatic. He's a little bit pessimistic, but it's almost, it's almost as if by the time he comes to the end of his life, that, that he's now focusing on God's goodness rather than life's troubles. And this is what it means to have faith, folks. You can either fix yourself on what's bad or you can focus on what's good. And Jacob recounts his testimony to his sons and his grandsons. And I just want to speak a word to grandparents today. See, don't forget that you have influence. And your testimony of God will impact your family. So tell them how God has worked in your life. And they need to hear it, especially with a generation that seems to be walking away from the Lord. I just read it this week how more and more in droves, young people, young Christians are walking away from God and church. And listen, I just wonder if they had heard more about how God is good and how many times God has come through in their parents' and their grandparents' lives, if they would be sticking around more. See, Jacob invests in his grandsons and he gives the birthright to Joseph by adopting these two sons. He essentially replaces his two oldest sons who are Reuben and Simeon because of their lack of character and their lack of spirituality. And he, he, he adopts Manasseh and Ephraim and he handles that, this by basically saying, you are now in, is, is in essence like my oldest sons. And he says, because of Rachel, his, his favorite wife, the love of his life, because she died so young, he would, he would have loved to have more sons with her. But essentially, because she was his, the love of his life, then, the, her, uh, then these boys who came from her line are replacing his oldest sons. And here's the point, though. though I don't want to get lost in the details. Is Grandparents, parents, you get to choose the kind of legacy you leave with those coming behind you. Parents, grandparents, your children will either know you for your bitterness or they're going to know you for God's blessings. 
And everybody has things that have happened to them. Everybody has things that they regret. Everybody has had seasons they look back on and wish they could change. Everybody's had hardships. Everybody has had difficulties. Everybody's had unfair treatment. And even at times abuse and betrayal. Every one of us has gone through some hard things. But if you're a child of God, listen, then, then you can, his promises and his goodness, his goodness outweighs the hardships. And you say, well, I don't believe that right now. If you only knew what I'm going through. No, listen, I understand that life is difficult. And, and the difficulty is choosing what to focus on. But, you, you, but listen, you are choosing what kind of legacy you leave behind if you focus on the bitterness. And here's Joseph who has been through things like none of us have been through. And here's Jacob, who's dealt with hardships that few of us have ever had to encounter. And yet these men were willing to set aside what was hard and focus on leaving a, a, a legacy of goodness. See, even if you're a grandparent, do you want your grandchildren to remember your anger and resentful attitude toward the difficulties? Or do you want them to remember that you focused on God's goodness? Which leg? I don't talk to grandparents very often, but listen, grandparents, which legacy do you want to leave? Parents, life is hard, but if we choose, but we choose what gets our focus. And I don't want to leave a legacy of negativity with my children. Life is already full of enough negativity. Culture is negative. The news, I can't even watch it. There are enough people that already resent God and. In faith, the one place that children should be, see a spirit of peace and gratitude and faith is at home. They need parents and grandparents to focus on God's goodness and no one else is doing that. Talk about it. Tell them your testimony. And you say, well, I didn't have that. My parents, are, they don't know the Lord. My grandparents, they weren't around. Okay, that's, I get that. I understand it. So which, which legacy do you want to perpetuate in your family? Because you have an opportunity to change the family trends. You have an opportunity to switch things up and do something different than what you received. And maybe it's time for some of us to decide to do that. If your life ended today, what legacy would you leave? Jacob decided to leave one that focused on God's goodness. I mean, he was ostracized from his family, and Laban abused him, and, and all his life, his, the love of his life died young, and a famine forced him from his home. But on his deathbed, he's talking about the goodness of God. So if you, when life goes crossways, embrace God's promises and recall God's goodness. But third, remember that God's ways are better than man's. When life goes crossways, remember that God's ways are better than man's ways, okay? Now, and anybody struggling to stay awake, wake up right now, because this is the whole, this is the point. Verse 10 tells us Israel was blind. So here's Joseph bringing his sons, and he brings them near to their granddad, and their granddad hugs and kisses them. And, you know, it's just a sweet time of, you know, just coming together. And, and I love in verse 11, look at 48 of verse 11, Jacob's point or Jacob's focus Israel said unto Joseph I had not thought to see thy face and lo God hath showed me also thy seed <laughs> I love it I mean here's Jacob you know what he could have focused on man jo Joseph we missed we had 22 years we didn't get to see each other he's not focused on all the things that he's missed he's focusing now on the things that he has and by the way this is the key to contentment in life 
is to stop focusing on all the things that we're missing and start focusing on what we have. Good time of year to be reminded of that. And Jacob says, no, Joseph, I, I, I never thought I'd see you again. And here I am looking at your children. This is amazing. And so Joseph then takes his sons, and, and I'm going to use a couple guys as, as, as an illustration. Um, let's see, Connor, Liam, come here. Can you stand up here without burning anything down? Okay, all right. Brother Samuel, actually, can you come up too? So I'm going to be... I'm going to be Jacob. So you guys go down there with Brother Samuel, right down there. So this is Joseph and Manasseh. This is Manasseh. And uh, he, this is, that's a great name, by the way. It's a strong name. Oldest, okay. Of these, of these, these are siblings. And, and obviously Connor is oldest and Liam's better looking. So, <laughs> so Manasseh's the oldest, oldest. Ephraim's the youngest. Okay, so Joseph brings these two sons to his dad. And so, so turn around, Brother Samuel, and bring them, bring them to me. So here's, here's Ephraim, the youngest, on the left hand. And come a little closer. My T-Rex arms. Okay, a little closer. Okay, okay, all right. So, okay, you can go sit down. Thank you. So he brings them, just so I might use you in a minute, though, again. So he brings them to him, and Manasseh's the oldest, and, and Ephraim's the youngest. And Joseph brings him, and he knows that his dad's blind, so he sets them up in front of his dad so that right hand could be on the oldest and left hand on the youngest. The, the, I'm going to be touching your heads, okay, just to warn you. Um, did you wash your hair today? Okay. No, I didn't think so. Liam's honest. Okay. And so he, he sets them up so that oldest son... And youngest son are, are by the right hand and left hand. Right hand conveys the inheritance. Right hand conveys the blessing. Left hand, left hand's good. Um, but obviously, clearly, as most of us in this room know, right hands, right-handeds are better. So <laughs> right hand conveys the blessing. Left hand does not. And so he, Joseph brings the sons up. And, he, and, he, and jo Jacob says, well, listen, here's what I want to bless you, you guys with. I, want to I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, <clears throat> God has fed me. He's been my shepherd. And he's taken care of me. Not only that, he has redeemed me from evil, which means that all the difficulties in my life, God has been able to turn those things into something good. I mean, that's a pretty good legacy, isn't it? So Joseph brings the boys up. And he puts them by the, the hand, so the oldest is the right hand and the youngest is the left hand. Got to get a little bit closer here with me. And as Jacob does the blessing, he, you know, he starts to do this, but then he does this. And he does the blessing. That's awkward, isn't it? But this is how it went. And he blesses them. And you know what Joseph does? Come back up here, Mr. Joseph. Joseph grabs his right hand, just his right hand, and he tries to put it, I'm so strong. <laughs> this is, he knows, I'm Brother Samuel knows that there's no way he can move my hand. So, no, so he tries to move my hand over to the other head. Keep trying. Yeah, trying. Oh, he's trying really hard. Now, this is my operated on shoulder too. It's like bionic. So, and he can't do it. And the Bible says he actually gets frustrated. And, yeah, there you go. Frustrated. 
and he gets angry and he says, no, 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 dad, you're, I'll, I'll put words in your mouth. No, no, dad, you don't have to repeat. Dad, wrong hand. You're, you're, you, you're doing it wrong, dad. And, and Jacob basically says, son, no. He says, I know it, my son. I know it. Basically, I know what I'm doing. Go ahead and sit down, J- Joseph. You guys stay right, right here. And so the idea of all of this that I want to convey to you today, like what, what's really happening? Well, the idea is in our minds, the way that life is supposed to work is like this. And we think, okay, this is the plan. This is what it looks like. But there will be plenty of times in your life, folks, that God does this. And we're standing down there trying to move his arms back. And we think, no, 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 God, that's not the way it's supposed to look. And yet this is exactly what he wants to do. You know, and we think, but wait, God, you know, uh, you've got, you're, you're doing it wrong. You, your arms are in the wrong place. And we think things like, I don't know, uh, maybe my health. You know, this is the way it's supposed to look. And my health is supposed to be good. I'm supposed to feel good. But sometimes that's what happens. Or we think, you know, my job, my job was supposed to last a long time. Or, or, or I was supposed to be getting a raise by now. Or this isn't what I expected my job to look like. But man, sometimes this is what it looks like. Or, or maybe you're single and you're thinking, I was supposed to be married by now. My life was supposed to look this way and it looks this way. Or sometimes as a couple, you're thinking, we should have had children by now. And this is the way life, w- life was going to go. I had it all planned out. But instead, life is like this. And, and my finances, I thought that things were going to be better by this time in my life. But instead, life is like this. And I, you know, I, all these ways that you think your life is going to end up one way. And this is your plan. And I've got a plan. And God, nobody, even God, can mess with my plan. But sometimes your plan is not God's plan. And sometimes God crosses things up. And here's our problem. We might even get frustrated. And we might even try to go fix it. Because God's not working like we thought God was going to work. Or God maybe does things differently than the way he's ever done them before. And we're frustrated and we're angry and we're impatient and we're trying to fix it all. But what we've got to come to terms with, folks, is that God's crossed up plans are better than our calculated plans. It doesn't matter how long we calculate It doesn't matter how long we make plans. It doesn't matter how long we try to avoid all the variables. We can't actually make it happen on our own. And the truth is, your calculated plans are inferior to God's God's, uh, crossed up plans. And it's time for, you guys can be seated, thank you. I need some hand sanitizer. (laughs) Listen, that's the lesson that we've got to get to in our lives. That sometimes God crosses his arms. We think he needs to keep his arms straight. We think we got it all figured out. But sometimes life gets crossed up. Things happen in ways we don't understand. And sometimes, listen, we think God's going to say yes and God says no. We think that God's timing 
is going to be on our timeline, but God's got different plans. We think that this is the way God has always worked, and then suddenly he crosses things up. We must then go get to the point we believe God's crossed up plans are better than our calculated plans. Just think about Jacob. Think about what his plans led him to. His plans caused him to manipulate his brother and steal his birthright. When if God wanted him to have it, he would have given it to him. His plans, man's plans, caused him to dress up like his brother and deceive his father and ostracize himself from his family. His plans led him to Uncle Laban, who cheated him and changed his wages multiple times and switched his wife on their wedding night. His plan, or man's plans, are what led those boys to sell their brother as a slave, throw him in a pit, and not care about his cries. Man's plans are the reasons that, that Joseph ended up in prison. Man's plans are the reason that Joseph was forgotten about. Man's plans after man's plans. Listen, in Jacob's life, one plan after another backfired. And what we've got to do is get to the place where man's plans, we've tried enough on our own, and it's backfired enough on our own that we get tired of this, and we're willing to say, you know what, this has backfired so much on me, I'm tired of making my own plans, and I'm just going to trust that when God does this, that's much better for me. See, God's plans are better than ours every single time. And sometimes he crosses his arms. I think about the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, here's what, we would have had it done this way, right? We would have said he's going to be born into a royal family. He's going to be raised in a palace. <coughs> he's going to be born into comfort. And he's going to be raised up to rule over Israel and take charge. That's, that's our plan. Well, God, no, God's plans were this. He was born to a young virgin girl with no place to deliver him. He was raised by a carpenter. I mean, he raised with, without anybody really paying attention to him until he started doing miracles. And see, we would have done it like this, but God was doing it like this. Here's why. Because we, we thought we needed a king. But God knew we needed a savior. He knew our biggest need was our sin. And speaking of that, See, God's plan, uh, th this truth plays out in salvation too. See, here's our plan when it comes to going to heaven. And if you don't know where you're going to go when you die, you need to listen to this right now. See, our plan is this right here. I need to be a good person. I need to, be do, I need to do good, more good works than bad works. I need to help people. I need to be kind. I need to really try my best. I might even need to get baptized. These are our plans. Well, that's not God's plan. See, what makes sense to us didn't make sense to him because he knew we could never do enough on our own to earn heaven. So in, in a crossed up plan, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to earth, not to just kind of come and reign as king, but to die on a cross. You talk about crossed up plans. He came to die on a cross for our sins. Because our sins, in our sin, if we die in our sin, we will spend eternity separated from God. We could never do it on our own. So God sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins so that we could have hope of heaven when we die. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Nobody expected this. But folks, this is exactly what we needed. 
And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it's time for you to stop doing this because it's not going to be good enough. It's time for you to place your faith in Jesus Christ because that's the only way that salvation can help you. Christian, are you struggling with God's crossed up plans? They go against your calculations. Maybe you're confused or angry or you're trying to fix it. Maybe you thought that person would change and they haven't. Or you thought that this, this legal problem would be over and it's not. Or you figured you'd feel better by now, but you don't. Or you, you thought your finances would improve, but it's going to be tight. Maybe you thought things would look different by Christmas, but they're not. Our problem is we're looking at life through our calculations instead of giving God the opportunity to work through the cross-ups. We need eyes of faith to believe that God's plans are better than ours. Stop resisting and rest in God. And then... Like Jacob, willingly submit to whatever God wants. See, what's interesting in this is that this is the account that the writer of of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, you know, the hall of faith, this is the story that the writer of Hebrews included about Jacob's faith. It says that Jacob, by faith, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And the idea is this, that Jacob looked past the moment and he trusted that God's promises and God's plans were better than his. That's faith. Has your life gone crossways? You know, most of us would say yes. But the ones with faith will say, I trust that God's plans are better than mine. See, when Joseph struggled with Jacob's choice, look what Jacob said in verse 19. One more time, one more verse, verse 19. Chapter 48, verse 19. Here's Joseph struggling with God, Jacob's choice. And really, God's choice. Verse 19 says, His father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. You know, sometimes we're try, we try to move God's hands to meet our expectations. And we try to mix things up and fix them and move them back. But you know what God is saying to us? I know it, my child. I know what I'm doing. This is on purpose. This this is for a reason. So stop trying to fix things. Stop trying to move my hands. Because believe it or not, I'm the God of the universe and I know it. I know what's best. I know what you need. I know the trial. I know the struggle. I know what you're feeling. But you have to trust me. And when we finally stop resisting the urge to move God's hands and we just rest in what he's doing, that's when we find out that God's plans are best. And maybe this morning, you need to stop resisting what God is already trying to do and need to just submit to the God of heaven that he knows best. When life goes crossways, embrace God's word and recall God's goodness and rest in God's superior plans. I'm telling you, he knows better than we do. 
And for some of you, life is crossways right now. I'm telling you, it's going to be crossways. I mean, sometimes, Jonah, like you're going to end up in the ditch. You're not going to plan on it, but you're going to end up in the ditch. You know what you can do? You can either get angry and mad and resist. Or you can just rest in the fact that God knows what you're going through. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.